have your Bibles today, turn to Luke chapter number 16. If you have your phone or tablet, you can access the Word of God there, Luke chapter 16. If you're new to Grace, we're going to put these scriptures up on the screen that we share this morning, so you can follow along there as well. Luke chapter 16. We're going to start a series on what happens to us when we die. What happens to us exactly, specifically, what happens to us when we die. And if you think that we're going to talk about you sitting on a cloud playing a harp throughout eternity, I've got news for you. We're not going to talk about that because that is not really what happens to us. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 16. This is Jesus telling a parable. And in verse number 19, he says this, there was a certain man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Verse 22 says, So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, to understand this text is to really understand that, first of all, Jesus is telling a parable. In other words, Jesus is not reciting a piece of history. He is actually telling a story, and he told many parables. And in the parables, he often gave a contrast. He gave a a great contrast. And, of course, in this particular parable, he picks extremes. He picks a beggar who is at, at the very bottom of society and a rich man who is considerably the top of society. And so as Jesus is telling this parable, you have to understand he is telling an earthly story that represents a heavenly truth. But to also understand the text, you have to understand who he's speaking to. In verse 14 of this very same chapter, it says that the Pharisees who loved money, right, were listening to him. So here's Jesus telling a story to the religious people. He is not picking on the wealthy. Do you understand? He is not singling out wealthy people. He is actually singling out religious people who put their trust in their wealth. Do you understand? Who loved money more than they loved anything. So understand the context and what Jesus is saying. He is actually talking to those who loved money more than they loved God. So Jesus is speaking to him. And he starts by telling the story of two men who both died. They both died. And so this is what I want to talk to you about concerning the afterlife because you have to know that death is something that is awaiting all of us. Now, I'm not going to be morbid. You're not going to leave here depressed, okay? You're not going to leave here in need of medication to lift yourselves up. We're actually going to get excited in a minute. It's going to get better. But you have to understand that in talking about death... Death comes to all of us. Do you understand? Death is not something that happens to a select few. It happens to all of us, regardless of your social status, your economic status, your ethnic background. It is not selective in any way, shape, or form. You actually have an appointment, the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 9 says this, it is appointed for man to die once. So you have an appointment with death. 
You don't know when that day is coming. You don't know when that appointment is. Guess what? You can't put it on a calendar. You can be late for your doctor's appointment, but I promise you this. You will not be late for this one. This is not the one that you could call up and say, hey, this week isn't good for me. Could you do next week? No, no, no. You don't know when it's going to happen, right? It's just going to happen. And so it is this appointment that is awaiting us. James chapter 4, verse 14 says this. It says that our life is like a vapor. It is here one minute, gone the next. And let me tell you, the older you get, the more you realize, boy, time does just fly by. The years just pass, and they pass quickly, and, and it's sometimes even more quickly. Amen. Right? So, so this is something that happens to all of us. David actually says in Psalms 39, he says this, Lord, teach me to, to number my days, or teach me to understand the, 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 the brief moments that I have here on this earth. Teach me to know this. Teach me to understand that my, my time here on earth is limited. And let me just tell you, your time here is limited time. It is limited time, right? We all have this appointment. It is waiting for us. And Jesus tells the story of something that is inevitable. He tells this parable and he says, hey, listen, the rich man died and the poor man died. It is, it is coming for us. It is going to happen to us regardless of outside circumstances. Death is awaiting all of us, right? It's just going to happen. But it's not bad news if we really understand what death is. If we really understand even the phrase death, because often at funerals, we won't even use the word. We won't even talk uh, about the word death. We'll say, well, they've passed on or they, they've moved on or, or, or have transitioned. And we use all sorts of word except the word death. But the Bible uses the word death. It uses the word dead and it uses it often. Jesus in many of his parables talked about death. And so I want to talk to you about death from a whole different understanding because the word itself in the Greek, in the New Testament, does not have a finality to it. It actually means this. It means separation. Right? Separation. You see, there are those that just believe, they believe that, uh, well, we, we come back around again. They believe in reincarnation. And I've done a lot of witnessing on the streets, and I've, I've talked to a lot of people. I've met very few people who believe this, but I've, I talked to one guy one time, and he just believed that you come back. And he was hoping to come back as a butterfly. That was a true story. I said, could you have not aimed a little higher? Like stallion. Could you have just... If I, I want stallion, you know? So if you think if you're good, you get the stallion, you know, Clydesdale, one of the big ones. Not the donkey, you get a stallion. And if you're, you know, not living so well, you get cockroach duty, where you're gonna smear it on a wall eventually. So, so that's reincarnation. And then there are those who just believe in cessation. They just believe that you are here and then you cease to exist. You're here and then life is over. And then when you close your eyes, there is nothing else. And the Bible, of course, teaches the absolute opposite of this, that there is life after death. There is life after that kind of separation, right? 
And so we want to talk about, about what really does happen to us when we die. Because death is not the end of life. Listen, if I can just convey one truth to you today, you have to know this. Death is not the end. We may say at a funeral, their life is over. I'm here to tell you, their life is not over. Do you hear me? I would argue this, that we are not existing here in the land of the living, waiting to go to the land of the dying. I would argue this, that we're actually in the land of the dying, waiting to go to the land of the living. Amen? That's where we're at. Death is not the end. It's just a transition. It's just a separation, right? Hallelujah. I told you it's going to get better. It's going to get, it's going to get better. See, Jesus in this parable talks about both men dying, but they kept living. Do you hear me now? It goes on to talk about Lazarus. It goes on to talk about the rich man. They still, they still existed beyond death here on this earth. So the Bible actually talks about three different types of death. Three different types of death. And the first one is this. It's spiritual death. Just a spiritual death. In Genesis chapter 2, God is speaking to Adam and he says this. He says, you can eat of every tree, but you cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Now, did they at that moment die physically? No, that would not come for some time. At that moment, they died spiritually. Sin entered into the world. And at that particular moment, they died, they died spiritually. So that is the first death that the Bible talks about. The second death that the Bible talks about is physical death. That's the one that, that most of us are, are, are thinking about. That's the one that, that that's the, we grieve the most. It's that physical separation, right? Now, every time I say the word death, not just today, but throughout this series, you have to understand I'm not talking about finality. I'm not talking about an ending. When I say the word death, I'm talking about a separation. So it's a spiritual separation. And then there is a physical, listen to this, separation. It's just a separation, right? When Jesus taught this parable, he said that Lazarus was taken by the angels and brought to Abraham's bosom. Now, that wasn't a special holding tank, okay? That wasn't purgatory. That wasn't anything like that. What, they were, what Jesus was conveying by teaching and saying these words is he was saying that Lazarus was given a place of, of preeminence. That being in Abraham's bosom, the word bosom just means next to or being, being on the side of. So he was, he was put next to Abraham. And of course, Abraham being the father of faith, that was the one position all the Pharisees were jockeying to be in. So when Jesus talks to the Pharisees, these religious people, he says, hey, it's the beggar that got your spot where you want to be. He's the one next to Abraham, the father of our faith. Huh? Because you have to know this. We don't go into some holding tank. The Bible is very clear 
that when we close our eyes here, we open our eyes there. To be absent from this body, 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says this, that to be absent from our home here on this earth, to be absent is to be present with the Lord. If we're at home here, we can't be at home with the Lord. But we are far absent from this body, our home here, then we can be present with the Lord. Amen? So that when we close our natural eyes, we open our spiritual eyes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't that good news? It's just a separation. We're just separated from our physical body. That's all. That body that we're spending so much time and effort (laughs) trying to keep it young. Come on now. And nothing wrong with that. I applaud your efforts. But it is a losing effort. Come on now. If you don't believe me, the mirror tells you a different story. I promise you. It is working against us. This body is decaying. But guess what? This body is just a shell. When I cease to exist, the body's not going to move. Why? Because I'm not there. My spirit and my soul leave this body immediately. And we go into the presence of the Lord immediately. Did you hear me now? Listen, I know one person that's not going to be at your funeral. You. You're not going to be there. You're not going to be daddy watching over. No, 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 no. No, you're going to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. You're not going to be there making sure everything said that needs to be said. Right? You're going to be gone. You're going to be with the Lord. You wouldn't come back if you could. You understand me? And that lifeless shell, it's just going to be here on this earth. I already told my wife, just put me in a pine box, man. You know what? Don't spend $10,000 on some casket that, that is sealed shut throughout eternity. I'm not there. I'm gone. I'm in heaven. Just put me in a pine box. Throw me in a ditch. I don't care. That's not me. Hallelujah. I'm with Jesus. I'm with him. I'm with him forever. I'm not coming back. Get remarried. Have fun. I'm gone. Just don't do it too quick. Make me look bad. Come on now. Give it some time. Hallelujah. Don't make me look bad. I didn't say that in the first service. I probably should not have. I should not have said that. Anyway, it is physical. Listen to me. Not death. It is physical separation. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus overcame the grave. That's why I stand at many funerals and I say this, oh, death, huh? Grave, where is your victory? There's no sting in death anymore because we can't, we're not separated anymore. We're with the Lord, hallelujah. Then the third death is this, eternal. It is eternal separation, eternal separation. See, the rich man, You have to understand the inference of of what happened because the beggar was at his gate and the rich man passed him every day. And the rich man was uncaring and unloving, huh? And the rich man was greedy and holding on and put trust in his wealth and trust in his riches. And Jesus is talking to Pharisees and he's saying to them, you're that rich man. You're the one putting your trust in your money and your trust in your riches. It wasn't trying to vilify wealth. He was trying to talk about we can't put our trust in our wealth. Hallelujah. And he said that man went to Hades. 
He was separated forever. And let me just tell you, there was no second chance. Did you hear me now? The only opportunity you have is right here on this earth. There's not going to be another opportunity. Nobody can pray you through. Do you understand me? You get one opportunity, and it is here on this earth. And when your opportunity on this earth is gone, the opportunity is gone forever. When Noah sealed the door of the ark shut, it was sealed. It was over. And much like that, when we're separated from our physical bodies, there's no more opportunity. This is it. While we're here on this earth, we need to live every day like it's our last day on this earth. Amen? Listen, because age is just a number. It's just a number. I'm going to prove it to you, right? If you're 70 here today, some might call you old. I would, I'm just saying some. But if you're going to be living to 95, right? You still have a lot of years left. In fact, I would say this, you're younger than the person who's 40 who's only going to live to 50. Huh? Doesn't that just make you feel a little better if you got a little gray hair? Come on now, I feel a little better about myself. Listen, because none of us are promised tomorrow. And eternity is awaiting all of us. And it is either eternal life with God or it is eternal death separated from God. Separated from God. I quoted earlier Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It says this, it's appointed for man to die once. But I didn't quote the rest of it. And often the rest of it isn't quoted. But listen to what it says. And then comes judgment. And let me just tell you, for the believer and the unbeliever, there's judgment. For the Christian and for the sinner, there is judgment. Not only is there an appointment waiting all of us, that appointment called death, separation from our physical body, it is awaiting all of us. We also have another appointment that is awaiting all of us, And that appointment is with judgment. Now, it's not the same. And next week, I want to talk about what that judgment looks like. If we have an understanding that we're all going to be judged, all of us. But I want to give you this example today. I need you to stretch your imagination. Can you do that with me? Just for a little bit. Because I have today a book bag that I want you to pretend is a parachute. But it's my eight-year-old's book bag. All right, so... So I I want you to give you this example. I'm just going to ask you, has anybody here today ever jumped out of an airplane? Raise your hand if you've actually jumped out of an airplane. What's the matter with you? A perfectly good, perfectly good airplane? What's wrong with you? No, actually, I want to do that one day too. My wife won't let me, but you could talk to her as soon as service is over. She's right here at the front. Please allow, tell her to allow me to do that. So I want you to pretend that this is a parachute. And if I was to tell you as you're about to board your flight that I'm going to give you this bag, I'm going to give you this parachute, and I was going to tell you that the reason why I'm giving it to you is because it was going to make your life better. It's going to make it more comfortable. You're going to have more peace. You're going to experience more joy. This is is the answer to all of your problems, right? And if that's all I was to tell you, And you board that plane with this parachute. After a while, you might think to yourself, you know what? This doesn't 
feel very comfortable. And you know what? I'm not experiencing peace right now, and I don't have a lot of joy. In fact, I'm looking around at other people who aren't wearing a parachute, and they look a whole lot more comfortable than me. And they look like they're having way more fun and enjoying the flight way more than I am. And this just seems to be difficult. And halfway through that flight, you may think to yourself, well, what, why do I need this? What, what's the purpose of this? What, why? why? This, this isn't making my life better. It actually seems to be making it more difficult. Huh? And you may think to yourself, you know what? I'm just going to take this thing off. I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to walk away from it because after all, what's the point, right? But if I was to tell you right before you boarded that plane, I want you to get this parachute and I want you to hold on to it because I don't know when it's going to happen, but at some point during the flight, you're going to get thrown out of the plane. You're not going to jump on your own volition. You're actually going to get thrown out at a moment you don't even know it's going to happen. So you better cling to that parachute because it's the only thing that could save you. Listen to me. If that's the case, you understand me? I'm holding on for dear life. You understand? I don't care what other people are doing. They could not have a parachute. I'm going to have a parachute. In fact, I'm going to do my best to tell them, hey, buddy, you need a parachute. What's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? Now, I'm not here to tell you that that Christianity doesn't give you joy, it absolutely does. I'm not here to tell you that it doesn't give you peace. It absolutely, absolutely gives you peace. You get to experience an incredible life. In fact, I believe with all of my heart that living the Christian life is easier than living a sinful life. But you know, there will be difficult days and there will be persecution and there will be days when you may look at some of your friends or some of your family members and you think, hey, they're not serving God and they seem like they have it all together and there may be a temptation for you to walk away from your faith. I'm telling you, hold on to your faith. Cling to it, right? Listen to me, I'm holding on to mine because nobody talked me into it and guess what? You can't talk me out of it.